funny. There's a, uh, we're going to talk tomorrow, next week about the Maidan, but there's a Maidan named Naya, and she's the dreamwalker, and she's a disembodied Maidan, and she is this l- little girl, and uh, she would visit Maidan and give them counsel by taking them to places in their dreams. So maybe Naya's here, <laughs> and she would just show you, like, uh, you know, yeah. So what are they to do with these weird dreams? Because you said you know you resonate with that, so you had some heavy dreams too. So what does that mean, Max? What do we do with these heavy dreams? The thoughts and stuff that punch in that, they process that. Like any story, you read it, you just read it. There's so many stories that are unread. Um, our lives are a story that's unread for a lot of people. Do you have that un like that friend that is completely unreflective? Do you know what I mean? And you just kind of want to be like, look, the reason that you keep dating the same asshole over and over and over again is because you're not paying attention to the characters that keep showing up in your life in different settings. Like, do you really think that all of these jerks got together and decided we're going to date her for 30 years? Like, you take her first. Right? No. You know, that's one of the ways you can kind of, you know, people talk about listening to the universe, but only when it says what they want to hear. You know, but, but if you can read your story, you start to realize, like, damn, man, this is like the seventh character. Are y'all following me on the story metaphor? This is the seventh character in the seventh city that said the same thing to me. I'll give you, for instance, I, people used to say to me a long time ago, um, like, Bax, I never know when you're serious and when you're joking. Like, you guys know me as serious, but usually when I'm out, I'm extremely sarcastic and horrible. <laughs> but they're like, I never know when you're serious and when you're, when you're not serious. And I always thought, like, that's because you're an idiot. And you don't get my sense of humor. You don't understand me. You know? And then other people would say, like, you know, I think you're funny, but sometimes it's just so much. Like, it, it seems like we never get to any, like, depth or anything. And I kept hearing this over and over and was like, wow, the universe is so square. <laughs> and then I like realized like no pe- what people are really saying beyond that is that they'd like to get to know me deeper but my own behavior is preventing that from happening you know and it was like a polite way of sort of saying like look you know I can only half know you because you're only half giving me you you know I mean you know I, I it's funny like the last thing I want to do was pick on funny people I love funny people <laughs> But do you ever have that, like, sitcom friend that, like, you feel like they just, they're reading off some cheesy sitcom skit and saying shit that's not even funny? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Tell me about it. You know, like, every, every like, classic 80s sitcom one. You know, we, we get in these behaviors, and the problem is, is that they end up burying who we really are. And behaviors are rhythmic structures. And it's really easy to get lost in rhythmic structures like we were last night in some of the songs. And it's the same thing with these behaviors. You know? I mean, like I talked about yesterday, like your behavior is based on your thinking and your conditioning. And it's hard to change your conditioning because that's happened to you. But you can change your thinking. And as you start to change your thinking, it changes your relationship to your conditioning. And usually you detach from it. And then out of that more healthier thinking, healthy behaviors can emerge. You know what I mean? You know, everything is physics, right? You're not going to get, like, health out of unhealth. You know? 
I mean, I, I say this joke every year, but it's just true. I knew that my dad understood what hooping meant to me. It took forever. Do you have that problem? Like, it took me about 10 years of hooping to explain it. But I remember I called him one time, and I was, like, seeking fatherly advice. And so I'm like, Dad, and I lay out my whole story, and then I'm like, so what do you think? And he, like, takes this dramatic pregnant pause, like, well, son, I think you should hoop on it. And what he was like saying was like, I think you should be in a place of clarity for this. I can't tell you the answer. And I know that that would make it easier for you because that's probably why you called me. But I, this is an answer that if I give you and you accept and it doesn't go right, you'll blame taking my advice. You may even blame me. But for you to get there, get this answer, it's going to have to come completely from the sanctuary of your mind. From that peaceful place. Big breath in. Just practically speaking, I mean, I love my life and I love where it's at, but I can tell you that it would be a little bit different if there were a couple of times I had just taken a friggin' audible breath in. Do you know what I mean? There have been a couple of times. I'm not saying that maybe my life would be in a completely different course or anything like that, but there might be some relationships that didn't go through the ick if I had just been like, you know? (laughs) 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 My sister and I were having a fight at a giant lion's breath, and we just both stopped fighting and burst out laughing, and it was over. Yeah. Um, today I want to, uh, oh sweet, I want to make sure I stay on time. Today, um, we spent yesterday, uh, we spent yesterday talking about confidence and this whole future hero thing is actually about confidence and, um, the way that I'm defining confidence is when you are fully in your element and, uh, what I was calling, uh, vehicles of confidence yesterday are different elements. And the first in my, I don't want to say, well, I'll say first, but definitely one of the high-ranking ones is to be, to feel confident by being in your body. But like that's the first element, really. And then outside of that, we can feel confident in different things. Learning is a vehicle of confidence, right? You know, and again, I'm not trying to sell you on anything. I'm not trying to con you into anything. I really don't care if I change your mind or not. But I think learning is a type of confidence. A lot of students have a type of confidence that comes out, especially once they feel like they've made some achievement, that they've gathered a certain amount. So, like, let's say you're going through an unconfident time where you feel really unsure of yourself. Go learn something. Your body is designed to become a master. It always does it. Anything you practice, you get good at. Anything you study, you learn. Your body is designed to be, well, you know, it's formed, however... I don't want to get divinity in this, but it's something for this kind of thing. You know, and I talked about approval from others being sort of a shaky ride for confidence. And I just want to be clear, you know, like all modes of confidence are maybe okay. Man, uh, alcohol, there's a vehicle. (laughs) You know, I like to drink too, but uh, I know some people, I bartended forever, so I've seen animal behavior. (laughs) You know, and the reason they call it liquid courage, it's true, though. It is true. I can, 
I mean, this is going to break some hearts, but most people are, are cooler after about a beer or two. <laughs> it's true. I've sat there and watched. I was like, wow, you're real now. Because they get just enough confidence going through there that they finally stop being a dork and quit prefacing everything they're saying, and this is stupid, but, uh, and they just go, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, right on. You know? Then they have the third beer. <laughs> Fourth beer. People can sing better after two beers. Do you know what I mean? Because they, they allow their voice to start singing. It's not that they suddenly sound better. You know? Big breath in. You know those bracelets, what would Jesus do? I'm not, gonna, I'm not about to bang. I'm not about to bang. Um, it's like the idea in that is a, um, is a beautiful concept to me anyway. I'm, I'm pro-religion, just so you know. I'll have all of them. But the idea of what would Jesus do, or I replace it with love just because it's less controversial. <laughs> but when we say, like, what would um, love do? What would Mother Teresa do right now? We are stepping into her vehicle. Does that make sense? And we're saying, like, okay, what if I wasn't this scared Calgarian right now? What if I was the embodiment of love? You know? And you get in there and you take a break. And one of the beautiful, it sounds weird, it sounds like I'm asking you to become an imposter, but I'm asking you to be a human being. Because when you read a story, you become those characters, right? And a lot of times when you reread a story, you identify with a different character the next time. You get into their head, you know, you start to think as that character. That is a tool, my friends. Your imagination is a tool. I'll give you a for instance, right? So uh, I fell in love a year and a half ago. And she's a, she's a music producer. And uh, we, yeah, we listened to her and went her thir- the third sway last night. It was hers. And... Um, Anyway, so she was hooping, or excuse me, she was playing at this festival, and we had been kind of like exchanging Facebook messages, and it was all purely platonic. Wink. And uh, What's her Living Light. Living Light is her DJ name, and her name's Eartha Harris, and she was playing at this festival. And uh, it's kind of hard to explain it, but it was kind of, it was a festival that was at a YMCA, so it's kind of like, you know... <laughs> like a YMCA campground thing and they had a pool and they had this big concrete platform stage sort of thing and then they had like um, I guess because they played volleyball there or some shit I don't know basketball and they had like stands so it's like all concrete I know it's hard to imagine no this is the summer uh, July 4th in uh, Maryland which is pretty warm and so it was like 95 degrees, and it was like one doing like the heat off the pavement was doing that thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like the wiggle lines visually and all that. And um, and so I get, she's like, I run into her. She's beautiful. And I'm like, all right, I'm sorry I missed your set. She's like, you didn't miss my set. I'm about to go on in 20 minutes. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and you know, maybe y'all can relate to this, but kind of like every single hooper has this, not every one of you, but every hooper that is single has this kind of fantasy. Do you know what I'm telling you? Do I even need to finish? Or do you know where I'm going with this? That you're going to start hooping. 
And that the love of your life is going to be like, oh my God. That was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. You are the sexiest man. So little Baxter Hooper like runs back and gets his sexy hooping clothes on, which is like a t-shirt, right? And I run back. And I head down to where she is. She's playing this pool area or whatever. And as I turn the corner, like, come into the venue, there is no one on the dance floor but, like, two contact improv people. What's up with those guys? They never stop. You know what I'm saying? So there's two contact improv people and then just, like, super hot. And then I look to the side, and the only place that's in the shade is, like, these, these stands. You know what I mean? So there's, like, 100, 200 people right there. And so I'm like, eh. And if y'all don't know, I don't, I don't really perform. So I had kind of the, you know, I call it a floa constrictor. You know what I mean? Like anytime somebody starts filming me or whatever, I'm like. <laughs> so so I, I walk into this place and she's playing and it's beautiful. And everybody's just like, you know, it's, it's that zombie time at a festival. It was like two o'clock on Sunday. You know what I mean? Like the, the pure zombies are out, like trying to dance. And so uh, anyway, and so I'm like, Bax, this is your moment. And you're scared. <laughs> and then I was like, Baxter, you're an actor. You know you are. You should just pretend right now that you're someone that's not nervous. You should just pretend. You should be an actor. And you should just play somebody like that's not nervous. Do you guys remember that show Magnum P.I.? <laughs> and that might be dating myself. <laughs> I became Magnum. I became Tom Selleck. I became like the, the guy with the Hawaiian shirt on that can't get you know, riled. Like people shoot at him and he's like, that was lucky. You know? And so I get out there and I'm just like, you know what? I am going to pretend that I am not nervous right now. And it worked. I mean, it really worked. But, I'm just kidding. But it worked. It carried my physical body, this reality, through a moment away from fear. Same thing happened to me in Brooklyn once. I was, first time a southerner drives into a big city. I don't know if you've been to New York and driven around. It's a little bit intimidating, you know. And, uh, and I drove into Brooklyn one time. It was hell. I kept going through the wrong place. When I told my route to people, they were like, you did what? And it was just a super intense ride. And then after the workshop was over, they were like, did you, how was it? And I was like, it sucked. And I was like, I hate driving around here. Everybody, because, you know, like, I, I bet you guys can relate to this. Here, where I am in the South, you don't really need to know exactly how big your car is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't really need to know exactly where the front fender ends. In New York, this is valuable information. <laughs> and everybody knows this but you. And so they're, they're coming in, you're like, oh, my God. And so we're walking out, and I'll never forget, I wish I could remember exactly which angel said this to me. That's how angels work in my life. They're, they're humans that say angelic things and have no idea they're being angelic. <laughs> and she said, she said to me, she was like, well, Baxter, you should just pretend you're from Brooklyn. Like, out of nowhere. And so I find so cheesy, but I put, like, like B-I-G on, I put Biggie on. <laughs> For real, like I kind of slacked my seat back a little bit, like I can lower that shit. I started driving, and like I was like, hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like up here, if you want to change lanes, you put your blinker on, and then you're like, hello. Your blinker's like, hi. 
hi, I'd like to come over there. In New York, it's just like, no, I'm coming over. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Maybe it happens here. I don't, I don't know enough about traffic here. That's exactly how we drive here. We just make sure the other person sees that you're changing lanes. And yeah. Yeah, but like in, in New York, you just like, no, 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 I need to be in the lane. You don't, you don't understand. And so what I'm trying to say here, guys, and, and not to extend the metaphor too much, but that vehicle, me in the vehicle of being a Brooklynite, carried me through a difficult moment. You know? And like the next time you apply for a job, the next time you're getting an interview, the next time you're on a date or whatever, like, you know, I'm me, but I'm in the non-nervous version of me. Do you know what I mean? Everything right? Are you following me here? And so, you know, we're doing great on time. We're going to get up now, but uh, look for those vehicles. Look for those vehicles. And if you, in areas that you feel like lacking confidence, look to get out of that car. It's like it's stuck in traffic. You're just going to open the door and just get out of it. Big breath in. So, um, we're going to do some core hooping today, uh, a little bit more of that. Uh, we're going to do what I consider to be more intermediate, advanced level core hooping. Uh, if you brought a big hoop, you should, you know, maybe use that. Um, if you suck at the stuff we're doing, I hope that's why you're here. You know what I mean? I, it, it trips me out sometimes. There'll be a student that, like, gets frustrated every time we do something they can't do, and I'm like, you knew it's a class. You knew that, right? Like, like, you know what I mean? This isn't like a refresher, you know, or hopefully. And so uh, there might be some stuff that you can't do or that you might hit frustration city, um, which I really appreciate you, you mentioning that. I'm, I have a feeling you weren't the only person that felt frustration last night. It's very, very common. Can I add something? Yeah. I was thinking about that more, and like, my six-year-old son is the same way. Like, he doesn't want to learn to ride a bike can't be instantly good at it. And it's really sad, and I think I'm passing that on to him, so. Well, you know, that's how, lead by example then, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do the redneck thing, man. You just got to drop her off. Just do the, yeah, yeah, just, that's, that's the only way, man. You just do the redneck method of just, honey, I'm sorry. You're going to have to figure this out. <laughs> we got mouths to feed. I think you said lead by example. No, it is. Lead by example is huge. Like, if you want your kids to do something, then you will swim them. If you want them to learn to ride a bike, get your bike in. He's good at hooping. Yeah. Well, you know, but look, we're not talking about six-year-olds. I mean, that's one of the reasons a lot of dudes don't want to hoop. Dudes a lot of times don't want to do anything unless they can be at the top of it. Do you know what I mean? And dudes are like the most obvious guys in the world. Like they get into cycling and they go and spend $2,000 on equipment. And they're like, well, maybe you should ride first. Like, where are you going to bike anyway? You know, everybody wants to be good at it. So everybody's afraid of sucking. You know what I mean? But the people that I admire the most are the people that are like, you know what, I want to learn that. You know, I want to learn that. I had a friend, uh, he was a guy friend, but he was like, I, he decided in his spare time to go learn how to be a mechanic. 
<laughs> and the reason that he did it was because he was tired of not knowing about his car and being afraid to ask. He didn't do it to like become a mechanic. But he was like, I'm afraid and I'm sick of being afraid. I just want to know it. Take it on. Put a flashlight to it and see what I see, you know. Big breath in. Okay. That's everything I want to say. Anybody have any thoughts, questions, comments, anything? So, as parents, we find that you accept in your children that they have the best of both and the worst of both. So, as adults, how does that, how does that work for us? Like knowing that we got like we also get the shit stuff from our grandparents and our kids. Like we pass off negative traits and positive ones too. And it seems like it's the strongest of both. It's like, wow! But that is. It'd be impossible to only pass positive shit onto your kid. You don't understand. Like, look at it from a Buddhist standpoint. Everything that you, the person becomes is their karma. And their karma, they start accruing the moment that they're born. So every experience, if you believe this, every experience creates them. And, and, and how is a parent going to be perfect in every single moment of that kid's life? And what kind of kid would that produce anyway, for real? Yeah, an asshole, probably, like the one that nobody wants to hang out with. Because they don't, every time something bad happens, the person freaks out because mom and dad were only positive. There's two things just for parents to understand, you know. There's the, there's the shit that you're trying to transmit, and then there's the shit that the kids are picking up on. And sometimes, you know, they're two different, and they're both happening. Like, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to bust up people's marriages, all right? That's what I'm known to do because I start talking all this relationship stuff. But I have witnessed too many times, and I don't know, maybe it's just a remnant from my past, like in the, growing up in the 80s, but I've witnessed so many parents stay together for the sake of the child. And what that child learns is what a shitty, dysfunctional relationship for 18 years looks like. Do you understand? Like, they're talking about, oh, we love the kid so much that we need to be there for it. And yet, that kid is growing up, and kids are smart, man. They're just as smart as you. You were a kid. And the kid is sitting there going, like, mom is sick of dad, and dad is sick of mom. And they may not even, like, be processing that, but their animals are taking this input in. They're picking up on this vibe. You're not the only one that picks up on vibe. That's why I think it's still so scary for little kids, man. Imagine, if you're a little kid, man, your vibe sensor must be turned up to 12. Nobody's told you that that doesn't exist yet. So you think you can feel vibe. See what I mean? And imagine being a two-year-old with no means to communicate or a one-year-old and you're picking up on this vibe. It's not that you're shy. It's like, dude, that guy's six foot tall with a gray beard and I screamed to mom. You know, wouldn't it be awesome if you could really sit down with your one-year-old? Like, mom, I know I've been crying forever, but the thing is, is my stomach hurts a little bit and Big breath in. Anyone else like to share anything? I don't know. This made me worried about my health and how I'm not paying any attention to it. And I just pay attention to my business and like my chill and party time and nothing in between. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, yep, thank you. But it's, yeah, it's just literally just lucky genes now that I hit 31 and like we're thinking about becoming parents. And like my husband's like, you're not like, you're going down a bad path. Mm. Health-wise, you mean? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. 
I don't know if that's true. You know, the thing, just keep in mind that paths are walked. St- I mean, not to sound like a bumper sticker, but they're walked a step at a time. Do you know what I mean? And if I'm walking down this path and I don't like it, I should take a step off that path. And the moment I step off that path, I'm on a new path. Does that make sense? It's like we, we, we talk about our lives like there are these websites that need to be launched. You know, lots of fanfare and everything, man. You want to like, you know, the, the, the changes that we can make sometimes can be just as simple as like taking one step in that new direction. And you become that thing. Do, we become through doing. We become through doing. You know what I mean? Like you become a hooper just the first time you pick up your hoop. If you pick it up again, you're a hooper again. Does that make sense? If you never pick it up, you're not a hooper anymore. It's super simple, super easy, and super clean. Clean. No guilt. Big breath in. Okay, cool. You guys wanted to talk today. That's cool. But I do want to, we have a lot to do today. So we're going to get up now. I'm going to give you about two or three minutes to get sorted, and then we're going to show up. Uh, We're going to meet in the middle of the floor, grab your blindfold, and uh, you can leave your hoops. We're going to sway first.